Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grandpa's Tales of Terror. Let's not waste any time, and let's just get right into the continuation of The Pinata Man. Now close your eyes, and let your imagination carry you into a world of fear and horror. <laughs> David O'Brien, self-made entrepreneur. A business tycoon just shy of a millionaire was having a whiskey in his living room when the doorbell rang. Sitting there, he didn't feel like answering the door, but then the doorbell rang again. Placing his glass on the table, he went and opened his front door. Nobody was there, but on the doorstep was a pinata. He looked at the tag, and it had his name on it and address. He picked it up and brought it inside, thinking of who might have sent it. Could be a prank from some of his buddies, or perhaps a present for his birthday that just passed. Or maybe just to cheer him up for the crap he was going through. Or all three. He took it out to the backyard, opening up his tool shed, and brought out a nylon rope. Throwing an end of it over a tree branch, he tied a part of the rope to the anchor on the piñata and hoisted it up a few feet. Going back to the tool shed, you could hear the sound of a compound saw. David brought out an old broomstick that had been sawed in half. He could have used the bat, but he figured it would be a better workout to get rid of some of the stress and frustration he's been having. After about 15 good swings, he was wondering what it was made of. The piñata, of course. He noticed it beginning to crack and something was starting to leak out. David was thinking he may have punctured a beer or something that his buddies put in. Finally, after a couple of more hits, the piñata There was a couple of beers in it, one of which had been ruptured and two self-closing bags, one large and one small. He picked up the small bag and tried to see the contents, but whatever was in the bag was wrapped with tissue paper. The same with the large bag. He slid the locking mechanism to open the bag and took out the tissue paper. Wrapped inside were what looked like false nails. Looking at a couple of them, it looked like dried blood was on them. He placed them back in the bag and opened the large one, unwrapping the tissue paper, which was wet with again what looked like blood. He uncovered something that looked like a wig. Unfolding the hair, he then realized that it was still attached to a scalp. Oh my God. Detective Lewis McAfee was attending again. When it was mentioned to the 911 operator that the objects were found in a piñata, the call went immediately to Detective McAfee. The detective drove quickly to the address that was given to him. Pulling up to the residence, other officers were on scene doing their protocol duties. Flashing his badge, he walked inside the house. David was sitting on the couch, having a scotch, walking up. McAfee could see that David was visibly shaken. When David looked up at him, he introduced himself and asked if David could answer a few questions.
You said you were home when the piñata was delivered. Yes, I was. I was having a scotch exactly when the doorbell rang. I didn't feel like getting up and answering, but then the bell rang again. I got up, opened the door. There was nobody there. The... that... thing was on the doorstep. Do you have any idea who sent the piñata? I thought maybe buddies of mine trying to cheer me up. I've been going through some shit right now with an ex-common-law. Sorry to hear that. Okay, well that's about it. We'll probably get some results back as to who the hair belongs to. You don't have an idea who it might be? No, I don't. Okay, I will be in touch. McAfee handed him one of his business cards. I understand that this is a very disturbing and upsetting situation. But if you can think of anything else, call me. The next day, Bertrand, from the medical examiner's office, called McAfee and gave him the results of what they had found. Yeah, Detective, Bertrand from the ME's office. There were false nails attached to the real ones, but then the fake and real nails were ripped out of the fingers. The hair belonged to a 30-something female who took very good care of it. The scalp was cut off very crudely, all the way down to where the hair roots stopped, at the back of the head and neck area. McAfee told him that he would be in to talk with him further. Bernie says that sounds fine, but to bring him a coffee. A few hours later, McAfee's cell phone rang again. It was David O'Brien calling. Hello, He was wondering McAfee. if the detective had time to stop in. Since he was able to calm down over the earlier events, he was thinking of the nails and hair. David asked the detective if he would like anything to drink, which McAfee politely refused. David was having another scotch. After taking a good swallow and being able to relax, he told the detective that he thought the color of the nails looked familiar, and so did the hair. McAfee asked him who did he think it was. David got up from the couch and went to a drawer of a side table and pulled out the photograph. He handed it to McAfee, who took the picture and started looking at it. David continued that the color of the nails and the hair looks just like the colors on the woman in the photograph. McAfee asked who the woman in the photograph was. David sat back down and told him that was his ex-common-law spouse. McAfee then asked, when was the last time he saw her? David replied that it was a week ago when they had a court date regarding her suing him for more spousal support. Before that, it was a couple of months. She had moved out into her own apartment. McAfee asked him if she might have any items still in the house that could possibly have her DNA on them. David shook his head, saying no. When she moved out, anything that belonged to her and was left, he threw into the garbage. McAfee asked him if he had her address, to which David shook his head again. She never gave him the address where she was living, and he didn't want it anyway. McAfee got up to leave and thanked David for the photo. Once back at the station, McAfee looked up to see if David's ex-common-law spouse had a driver's license, which she did. Realizing that it was too late to check her apartment, he was going to have to do it first thing tomorrow morning. 
McAfee contacted the apartment manager and had him open the door to the ex's apartment. Going in, he noticed that no one had been there for a few days. McAfee found a hairbrush that had hair fibers on it. He placed it in an evidence bag to bring to the medical examiners later. That same day, McAfee brought Bertrand a coffee and listened to what he had to say regarding Michael Livingston and his body parts. The toes, fingers, and ears were cut off to cause a lot of pain. The removal was messy, but as he mentioned before, it won't kill you. The same with the hair and scalp. It was removed, but not in a way to minimize pain. Fingernails, well, ripping out a nail is extremely painful and doesn't matter who you are, but whoever did this didn't care either. They tried to cause as much pain as possible. McAfee told him he stopped in earlier to drop off some hair samples of potentially this next victim. Bertrand replied that he knew and that a rush was put on it. Hopefully the results might come tonight or tomorrow morning. McAfee was sitting at his desk, going over photos of what's been found so far. Looking at his notes, so far the only things that are common between these cases is a pinata with various body parts and both victims and who the pinata was delivered to were in court with each other a week prior to receiving the pinata. McAfee's desk phone rang. Answering it Hello. was Bertrand. McAfee. Bertrand called to confirm that the DNA from the hair on the brush and the fingernails and the hair and scalp were a match. McAfee exhaled and thanked him for Thanks, Bernie. He hung up the phone, put the file and pictures in a drawer, and got up to go tell David about his ex-common 